Welcome to the Texans! And again, Watson escapes. Over the middle, it's cut. Akins and the tight end rumbles in for the touchdown. Here's Watson now. Blockers in front. Lowers the shoulder and in. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. Those highlights seem like a long time ago as the Texans drop to 1-6 on the season as the Packers blow out Houston at home and Aaron Rodgers and Devante Adams rip through with these Roby dropping out the game for injury. A secondary and a defence in a mess. An offence that can't find its feet on a regular basis and... We're looking at one win so far in the season. It's now the bye week, but looking back on last week's game, joining me is Landry Locker. Break it down to me this week is from In The Loop on Sports Radio 610. Landry Locker. Landry, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Enjoying the bye week. Much needed. Yeah, I think so, right? I think, I mean, you've been doing this as long as I've been watching this team. How How does your job differ when the team is as bad as it is right now uh it's i mean you still have to do the same type of stuff it actually i think it actually gets more difficult just because you have you know you got you got a lot of you got to look past what actually happens on the field i mean i think the best thing you can ask for is being able to work up to sunday and then just talk about the game but you know when you're a one in six team and you know the result is I don't want to say irrelevant, but the result is, you know, it, it's it's kind of it, it's not there's not even a positive to losing like some teams have where, you know, you lose, you're going to have a better draft pick. They've traded their draft picks. And, you know, I guess the the the, the trade deadline this week makes it a little bit easy. And then the the uh, speculation about the coach and GM is there. But I mean, it's it actually gets a little bit harder uh, because there's really no positive to losing. Usually, bad football teams at least have a positive uh, to lose. There's not really, there's not really any of that uh, with how it's going right now. Yeah, and I, I think part of me kind of feels naive in a way. But you know, you go through the off season and you try and be balanced rather than pointing at the obvious flaws that were, you know, fundamental, you know, on paper. Um, and now they've actually come through on the field. It feels. It feels like this has just been a slow motion car crash in many ways, and we're now just at the end point where everyone's getting out the wreckage. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the worst off seasons I can remember, and it, the the worst part about it is that it's even worse than you thought it was. Uh, and you know, they 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 tried to sell that you know getting rid of Hopkins was going to be a good thing, and then they tried to sell you on guys like Eric Murray and you know these the i guess the reserves that were going to step in and play on the defense and stuff and i mean it, anyone that actually you know had any ounce of i mean i don't want to say common sense but really i mean just common sense that you you you, you could tell there were some holes on the team and you know it only took 4 weeks to them, for them to basically realize it so i think that's the frustrating part is as much as we like to talk about this stuff and as much work as you put into talking about this stuff um you know, these guys are professionals that are making these decisions. And you'd like to think that at least in some areas they are smarter than you. But I mean, I don't think King Bill was smarter than the average person uh, when it came to making moves. And that that was the that was the real frustrating part of the offseason is you thought that was the worst trade in team history. And then, hell, it even looks worse now, which is just very, very frustrating. Yeah. And they, and they flashed it up on the broadcast and. And I, 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 oh, the broadcast has become yeah. a roast of it. I mean, you you yeah. turn on the broadcast, whether it was uh, Brock Heward and Chris Myers, 
uh, during the Minnesota game or, I mean, Vilma, Vilma and I guess Kenny Albert this weekend. I mean, it's, it, it turns into a roast. And I mean, even Sunday, you, <laughs> Sunday was like the ultimate, I mean, it was an awesome, awesome day in the NFL, but it was just kind of crazy because I, I rewatched the game after I left NRG and it's a roast. And then you go into the prime time and it's Hopkins versus the Seahawks and you're seeing Carlos Hyde and that turned into basically a roast of the Texans. So it was basically like a Sunday roast day for the Texans. Uh, and, and there's really just no escaping it because it was that bad. Yeah. And you think back to, I mean, obviously a guy who led the, led the block for uh, Carlos Hyde to, to go and score that, 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 that the Russian touchdown for the Seahawks. And that was Dwayne Brown. And you think back to 2017, in many ways, this has probably been doomed from the start in terms of the initial years of Watson because, you know, they didn't need to trade Brown. And, the, OK, the return was OK because you had a real GM at that point and it was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the worst. Um, but, you, but you see that move and all the subsequent moves that have come off the back of that. It feels right. like, you know, the, the foundational bricks or... Our cornerstones of this team were were shifting right from underneath it, and from 2017, and the decisions that they made post the Rick Smith era, okay, gained it a bit of stabilisation to a degree, but we'll come on to some of those picks and their inability to contribute right now. But it feels like it's just the the rug's been pulled underneath Watson in many ways, and he's still playing at a high level, which is the most frustrating part about it all. Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the thing. It's funny because I was doing show prep today, just. Uh, looking back at that and i mean if you're going to give up assets you have to have something to show for it and we're if you go if you just go back to if you just look at the total compensation of what they have to show right now for getting rid of Dwayne brown jadavian Clowney, and deandre hopkins uh if you just look at the total compensation with the draft picks that they that they had with Dwayne, uh they drafted martinez rankin who was one and done uh, and Lonnie Johnson. So you have Lonnie Johnson here. I guess he's trying to figure out, they're trying to figure out if they can play him at safety. Uh, if you go to Clowney, Mingo's no longer here, and you have Jacob Martin, and you traded for Gary and Conley. Uh, they, I don't think they really like Conley that much, the way he plays, and he's had trouble uh, staying healthy. And then with Hopkins, you have Ross Blacklock, and you have Carlos Hyde. I mean, that's that's terrible. I mean, that, that, that that's if you just lay out the total trade of that, that's that's awful. Like that's there's there's not there's literally nothing to show for it. And you look at the other teams that are making moves like this. I mean, Minnesota trades digs and they have Justin Jefferson out there making plays uh, at a at a at a very high level. I mean, when you when you trade guys like like that, you should have something to show for it. But if you just look at the total compensation and what they actually have to show for those three guys, it's, I mean, that's, that's the problem with the roster. That's why the, the, this isn't really a complete roster. And I think that's the difference, you know, cause we talk about, you know, bringing in a coach for Deshaun Watson. It's like, well, you want a guy who can work with it, uh, work, work with Deshaun and that's what you want. Is that really what, do you really think that's what separates the chiefs and the, and the Ravens from the Texans? I, I would argue that, it's just the complete way in which their rosters have been built. I mean, Pat Mahomes can sit on the sidelines against Denver and they can win by four or five touchdowns because they're running the ball, because they have playmakers on defense, because they have a, a complete squad. Lamar Jackson can have four rookies starting and then two other guys contributing on top of all their veterans. Uh, 
that that's the that's the most frustrating thing with where you're at right now with the Texans is yeah you want Deshaun to take the next step you want him to do that but the gap between the Texans and the Chiefs and the Ravens yeah obviously the uh, having Greg Roman working with Lamar and having Andy Reid working with Mahomes is an advantage but I mean it's really just the whole way in which their rosters are built and the, and the whole way in which they've evaluated talent that's that's the biggest gap and that kind of stinks because I think you can bring in a guy that can get the most out of Watson but there's still going to be a massive gap in talent uh, because of the moves that have been made uh, around Watson yeah and I wrote a article just post the game on podcasttexas.com and I think we're now in a position which seems almost inconceivable but the talents of Watson are now, you know, borderline nullified by the fact that, you know, this layers and layers crap that we were fed in the off season about let it all play out. Well, it has played out, Bill, and it's it's a, it's a shit show um, in terms of quality. Because if you think even like Lonnie Johnson coming in, he's not, you know, it's a, it's a high pick, you know, it was, you know, or or one of the second round picks that they had that year in 2019, not paid off. The other second round pick in 2019 is not even on the field for Kelly who had a terrible game for the second week in a row, and you just can't run the ball and and it's you know and you, you you mentioned that about you know KC and Baltimore two teams that steamrolled us early in the season, but they run the ball and I think that's the biggest issue for the Texans. Right? We've made moves of of hindered us okay in the quality and you can always debate the quality that comes back in, but when you fundamentally can't do basic things like David Johnson running the ball and for whatever reason they they, they chose to stick with the you know the 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 loop and puller coming round you, the guard of the tackle to the opposite side of the formation, and it wasn't clearing any space. You saw that when Duke Johnson went off on the first three and out. And, you know, you, you just completely hamstring Watson when you can't do the basics around him, like finding a running back, which is easy to do, uh, and you just can't run the ball. And it just it, the whole offensive structure crumbles, and that's why you get shot in the first half. Yep, that's. I mean, it's 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 got. There's there's some talent problems. There's some schematic problems. I mean, any way in which you can have problems. Uh, the Texans offense has it. And when you're given that many and when you're invested that many resources in it, uh, it's not going to look good. And it just hasn't really looked that good, especially when it comes to running the rock. Yeah. And you think of all the money you've invested in that offensive line as well. And I, I know it's easy to say now, and I, I like the aggressiveness of the Tunsil trade, but this team could sure as hell use those picks right now. Uh, and in the state that it's in, because you know, I think you know, Tunsil's great. He is really good. But when you've got a mobile quarterback, you don't need the best left tackle in the game. You just need a couple of roadblocks to, to to give him enough two and a half, three seconds to get the ball out and release it. And it feels like you know the amount we've invested that there's no payoff. Plus the 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 complete erosion of talent on the defense. It's just it's a it's a sorry mix right now. When you when you thought the game I thought was already over and it zoomed in the broadcast and and Rogers did a sort of caught uh, Devante Adams on the outside against Vernon Hargreaves, which is not really a phrase anybody should be using, but that, that was the <laughs> matchup that, that existed after Roby went off. But I thought Roby going off, that, that third and long early, uh, I thought that that was the game done by that point. I, I barely watched most of the second half until the next day because it just it just seemed like a foregone conclusion so early on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Bradley Roby's really the only... I mean, really, he might be the only bargain on your team. Like, as far as, like, you know, you just look at what he makes compared to what he does, I think Roby's probably the best value on your squad. And, I mean, after him in the secondary, I mean, you got guys who nobody else wanted to in the league. I mean, let's just be honest. I'm not, I mean, that's not that's not even harsh. Hargraves got released last year. Nobody claimed him except the Texans. Uh, Philip Gaines, um, he's just a guy. Uh, Eric Murray 
was a cornerback originally, and I think Philip Gaines beat him out in Kansas City, and they moved him to safety. And now, because the secondary is so bad, Eric Murray's basically having to play corner, which I don't know what's worse, him playing corner or safety. So, you know, I know Anthony Weaver's gotten a little bit of uh, slack, and I guess rightfully so, but I just don't know what he can really do with this secondary and these pieces. And I don't want to give Justin Reed a free pass because I thought Vilma did a good job calling him out uh, on Sunday for what he was doing. But Justin Reed had probably one of his be- uh, worst games on Sunday too. So it's just not a very good secondary. And, you know, it's it's one thing when we talk about the offense and we say you've invested this much and you're not getting much from it. Uh, that sucks because the production doesn't match the investment. But when with what they've invested in the secondary, I really don't, I don't expect much different because I don't, I, I can't convince myself that, you know, these guys should be out there doing anything much different than what they're doing. Yeah, and and I think that the sort of move of Lonnie Johnson to safety, for me, I think is if if it was a question that he wasn't good enough to be a corner, he should never have been picked up in the second round. I know he was raw coming out of Kentucky, but you know, it, it, but even even if he had have panned out at corner, even if he'd have kept Jonathan Joseph, how they went into this offseason and didn't bring in another corner, you know, even if Garen Connolly was healthy and you brought Black Robert, how they didn't bring in another corner to that mix. You know, they were always going to be short. And I think at this stage, are are this team in a position, well, I mean, this, the cap might dictate that, but can can you ex- extend Justin Reed in this offseason based on the, the film he's put out? Because it's been his worst year but as a Texan by some distance. Uh, you might have to. I, I think you can wait. Uh, one more after, but yeah, I don't, I don't even know where he's going to be on the priority list. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make. Make if you just look at the the moves. I mean, I think I cleared twenty million in cap space just messing around with some of the decisions that they could make. I mean, I think they can cut Brandon Dunn, save four million dollars. Uh, they can cut uh, McKinney, save seven or something, and then Duke is four and a half, five. You don't use him enough to do that. And then I think Nick Martin's is set to make six million. So. Maybe you can redo that deal or something so you can save the 20. But then what do you got to do? You got to decide what you want to do with Will Fuller, assuming that all these guys are here. Uh, Brandon Cooks is set to make 12 million, but it's not guaranteed. So you might have to re uh, redo that. Uh, and then you're just going to have all the other holes you have. So they have a really weird salary cap structure. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they thought that this next year was where they could just dump some of their weird money. Uh, $12 million cap hit from Randall Cobb, no matter what. $6 million, I think, from Eric Murray. $4 million from Fairbairn. I don't, I don't quite understand where the line of thinking was there. And then like $14 million from Merciless. So they've kind of set it up in a weird spot, and they can clear it. But I, just, I, I don't know if this is going to be the year they talk to Reed or if it's going to be the year after. Uh, when some of these contracts are a little bit easier to get out of. It's it's a really weird structure, and it's really, really weird to try to get inside the brain of Jack Easterby or whoever thought they could do this without Chris Olsen, the, the cap guy here, uh, when, you, when you just really look at how they laid these contracts out that they that they recently agreed to. Well, that's it. And Chris Olsen, like, I, you know, that was one of all the moves that's gone on off the field years and years of managing the cap in a, in a great way since he came in you know the team always you know were in a manageable spot to then sort of basically kick the can down the road for a number of years uh, in terms of these as you said these structures i think and a guy like nick martin i mean okay he did play well last year but he did not deserve that contract to the point he signed it i don't think many could dispute that based on his film and i think there's just a number of 
be merciless. His, his his agility at the line of scrimmage is short, and I think there's no shit. chance Whitney Merciless gets the contract he got if he goes on the market. There's there's like I'm I'm I don't I don't want I don't like to make blanket statements. Oh yeah, agree I would zero. bet my life that if Whitney Merciless were on the market, he's not getting what they gave him. Yeah, six to eight million max. I think he would have got a token sort of a, you know supplementary pass rusher deal, and he's not he's not even that at this stage. And you saw that, and I know it was flagged, and it was a bad flag against Eric Murray, but he 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 completely got past the tackle, he lo- basically lost lost all burst and then had to chase Aaron Rodgers, who's <laughs> who's not exactly, you know, sprightly in his old age, you know, as he gets closer to 40. And it took him about five or six yards to chase him and, cl- and clip <laughs> and just clip him by the, by the ankles to get him down. And I think, you know, you saw that against Big Ben in the Pittsburgh game where he stiff-armed him and got out of bounds. And, oh I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that was bad. that's a terrible, terrible contract. And I think... You know, I think he's at 50, 14, 50 million he's due next year. So, you know, and I think we're, we're talking about, you know, a Texans fire sale and potentially trades, but I don't think they're in a position to got anything to sell because, you know, and it's not a good time to shift people because you've not got any leverage. But, you know, there, there's guys here that I just don't think you'll get much for, even, even in a diminished market when you've got no leverage coming up for the trade deadline, when all the other teams know or the willing buyers know that your season's pretty much over. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I don't know who you do trade. I, I think you might just. I, I think Kenny Stills you might need to let go, even if it's for a seventh or something, just because then you can get maybe a more look of at Coulter and QT and see what they got. Uh, I think you can trade. I mean, you could trade Will Fuller if you wanted, and I don't know if you're going to get someone that Deshaun trusts more. So you can't trust those guys. If anyone wants to take the merciless contract, I think you should allow that to happen um other than that i don't know I, I don't know maybe maybe you trade jj maybe maybe someone wants to give you like a second and a fifth or something for jj watt maybe uh but i i don't know if that's going to happen either so i think i think you need to you need to try to make as many moves as you can but you're in a weird spot right now a real weird spot yeah and i, th- I think the I mean, yeah, you're right. Wide receiver is probably the only place, and Stills is just—he's not really got many reps. So you think you may as well have a rookie come in and get like Isaiah Coulter or you know a, a, a sort of third-year failed fourth-round draft pick in Kiki at this point to go and get some of those reps rather than Stills and the money he's on. So yeah, you think maybe you can trade him, but yeah, what's the value back? And the the what ones are interesting one for me right now because you think you've got Easterby doing these deals, so. Whatever happens, you know, he's overseen, you know, as you said, some of the worst trades in franchise history. Do you really want him to add to this, you know, the list for a second round pick, which, you know, based on the last couple of second round picks, aren't even on the field or doing anything in a meaningful way to help you in football games? Yeah, there's trust issues with Easterby for sure. And he was very clear uh, that he was a part of this offseason. Like he's, I know he's kind of not talking now and stuff, which I, I can't say that I blame him, but. He was very clear that all these moves that, you know, we hammered B.O.B. for, and rightfully so, uh, he was on board with. So there are trust issues, but if he is going to have the title and he's going to be the one in charge, he's going to have to get over it and he's going to have to figure it out or else he shouldn't be doing it in the first place. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not – I wouldn't uh, trust Easterby if I were the, the owner and I were calling the shots, but – it's the position that he wanted and it's the position he's got. So he's going to have to be the one to make these deals. He's going to have to figure it out. And I don't, I don't think he can go hide uh, with, with the way it is. And, and who knows, maybe someone like Matt Bazargan from the scouting department is the one that 
handles the bulk of it. And, you know, Easterby's just kind of the guy that answers the phone and puts him on speaker or whatever and lets it handle. Who knows? But, I mean, if he's going to be the one calling the shots, he's, you know, he can't hide. He's got to make the moves. Yeah. And you, you yeah, it's, it's almost like you, you would rather we, we wait until we get, get the adults in the house and get, and get rid of, and get rid of Easterby because you've got to think, you know, the next GM that comes in, if they're worth their salt, the first thing they'll want to do, and they'll make that clear before they take the job, is you, you know, you get that guy out of the building as quick as you possibly can because he's part of the legacy that's in this mess. Oversaw co-created this mess. So for him to stick around and watch a new era and a, and a chance for Cal to put the franchise on the right path for the first time in its, in its short history, then you've got to think this is it. I would think so, but, man, I'm... I, I have no idea what the, you know, the whole, the whole Easterby path. I've, I've stopped even trying to predict what makes sense and what doesn't. So I, I would think so, but I have no idea. I can't, I can't even predict what's going to go on with him. He might own the team by the time we get off the phone. Honestly, I, I can't, I can't, I can't keep up. Oh well, yeah. He's got a hell of an agent. I don't know what the guy's name is, but uh, I think I think everybody needs to, uh, to go to that agency or that, or that guy and see if they can get him a, a new, a new job in life. Cause he's a guy that should not be in the, position he's been in or he is is in you know looking from the outside in the experience just doesn't match the profile but it's a tough it's a tough gig and it's a big it's a big issue why we're in the why we're in this position i think it, it reminded me this week actually when you heard andre johnson retire and he talked about how he how he handed in a trade request after the new england playoff defeat and he and he said that he when he went to to rick smith he said there's just guys taking up space on this roster and i think there's so many examples of that landry right across this roster that just need cleared out from brennan scarlett who can't set the edge carlos watkins as you said done backup style players who we've tried to put in and start in roles and have just have just not performed in any way the entire secondary and I, I think even Justin reads up for debate at this stage if he's wanting big money. And I think there's just so many holes across this defense in the front seven and on the and in the back end that there's just guys taking up space and are probably would not get the snaps or getting anywhere else in the league bar, you know, one or two teams at best. Yeah, and I, I love I love 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 Brennan Scarlett. Like we've had him on. I think he's good. I would want him on my football team, honestly. Like I, I think every team would like to have Brennan Scarlett on their football team. Like he's a good special teamer. He's a good reserve guy. But the fact that he's been a two-year starter on defense on an NFL defense without any injuries to justify why it's happened. That's that's awful. Like that's I, I'm sorry, but that that's awful. That's that's that that just doesn't. Like there's a lot of guys that you. I would even like to have an Eric Murray on my team as a reserve, you know, DB. But I'm not going to give him six million dollars a year to do it. Like it, it's about value, and they got these guys that yes, they're quality NFL players. Yes, I'm sure if King Bill were still here, you'd say they're tough, smart, and dependable. But just because they're tough, smart, and dependable doesn't mean that you know you you put them out of their weight class and you have Brendan Scarlett out there every snap. Like I can't even blame him for the mistakes that he's making because he shouldn't be in this position, but there's just a lot of guys on this defense specifically. And you're seeing Dunn and Watkins. I mean, there's a reason why these guys couldn't even get on the field last year uh, th- that much uh, just because they're not, they're not good enough. And that's, that's the problem with the defense is you have these guys that were tough, smart, dependable that are just hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And the defense suffers because of it. There's no, there's no excuse for Brennan Scarlett to start two years on an NFL defense. That, that makes no, it makes no sense to anyone that anyone that uh, is a GM, anyone that's an exec, anyone that's a fan of a team. That makes that makes zero sense. Yeah, you've got you know I think linebacker 
outside and possibly inside now if, you, if you're going to be able to move on from McKinney, which you've got two guys on the contract. And I think, I think you know, and you look at Cunningham, I think he's just he has played terribly, just as equally as, as Merciless has done since he's signed that deal. And I don't, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's just slight, you know, his roles changed perhaps, but he's, you know, he's been out, you know, McKinney's been out the team before, I think, at Tampa Bay last year. And, he, he, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't the mess he's been in, but he looks like his head's swimming at times and he's just, he's just not effective. Him and Justin Reed, two cornerstones on your defence, have just not played up to par this year. Yeah. And I mean, McKinney and, you know, you look at McKinney and DJ Reed are going, I think they kind of made Cunningham and, Watts jobs easier uh, when they were in with them, and they're just not. They're just not. I mean, Brandon Dunn's a clear downgrade. You know, Bmax out. I thought they could. They could have used Bmax against Tennessee. Uh, other games, you know, there's times where he gets exposed. But I think in the Tennessee game, they really could have used McKinney. But yeah, he's he's definitely gonna be one of those guys that gets restructured and or just flat out released. Uh, and another one of those cornerstones gone wrong, but there's an easy out with McKinney. It's not like you're going to have to, you know, like watch Whitney Merciless next year, make $14 million. There's at least an easy out with McKinney. Yeah. And you, and you think of the composition, of the overall roster as well, like guys like Buddy Hill with, you know, could it be any worse in the run game right now? He gave Buddy Hill some carries, but they've got so many guys, you know, like Keon Cross and who they traded for, who just play special teams exclusively. And if they didn't have the upside, to then go and make some defensive, you know, snaps for the team. Then I don't think they were worth investing in because you want guys who are learning, you know, still learning the game, maybe at an early stage of their career, and will fill in in special teams rather than just purely special teams player. Because then you saw that on the big touchdown to Devante Adams. You've got Michael Thomas who fakes the blitz, doesn't bail out quick enough, and then it's Eric Murray against uh, Devante Adams, who's a you know who's a top sort of ten wide receiver at the line of scrimmage, and then you've got a fifty yard plus touchdown, and it's just like a broken coverage. You know, and then just a complete yeah, embarrassment. I, mean, I think it also game. goes back to, you know, just the conversation we were just having. I mean, Michael Thomas has never been a guy that you want on the field on defense that much. Like, he's been a special teamer. And, you know, they're talking about playing him more on defense. It's just, it's it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And, and you even go back to, and this is this is going back a few weeks, A.J. Moore literally in his, in his first couple years in the league had played 20 defensive snaps. Like, think about that. He played 20 defensive snaps. Uh, total. He didn't play a single defensive snap last year against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in the um, divisional round when you had Jalil Adai out, you had Tashawn Gibson out, and you had Lonnie Johnson out there hobbling around uh, trying to play safety. The dude did not step on the field one time for a defensive snap. And for whatever reason, you decide because he's tough, smart, dependable that you're going to try to start A.J. Moore at safety. That's we. I mean, that's just that's just insane like that. What did you and he got hurt? He got hurt when he while he was getting burned and he pulled a hammy. But you know they, they it's almost like on defense they just decided to just start guys that had no business starting in the NFL. I guess because they met the uh, the intangible standard. But I mean you you can just go back all the way through the beginning of the season to now uh, to what we're going to see moving forward. It's just the, the the talent level on defense is is a problem. I think the offense with the right mind can be a pretty good offense. Obviously, you're going to have to upgrade at running back and, you know, make some tweaks, but you do have the quarterback, but the defense it's going to it's going to take a while to to fix. It's going to take it's going to take a while. Yeah, and the thing is I, I think the, like and I mean you see a lot of people talking about David Johnson should be cut this this week and you think, "Well, yeah, you're probably right on the basis of 
of he of his you know some of his output running between the tackles. But you, you saw on the on the on the drive that he scored, he set up a, a run or he or he caught he caught a pass um to get down you know within in the five. Um, and then, and then two plays later, he, he catches he catches one in the back of the end zone. So that's what he's good at, and that's what he should be asked to do. But I think when you've got a first year play caller like like Tim Kelly, I think he's really struggled in terms of in terms of knowing what to get you know getting guys in the right spot because you, Duke Johnson's never on the field. I think last year was his least catches ever for you know within the league at, coming at the backfield. And that's what he excels at. He's hardly on the field, and then you continually ask David Johnson to to run up the middle. Uh, you know, and when he, and when he's actually put out in space, he's shown he can be effective. So if you're going to if you're going to keep him around, then you know it's an expensive 10.8 million to keep just to have a scat back out there when you've already got Duke Johnson on the on the field, which made made that move you know even more perplexing. But do, do you think David Johnson needs to get cut at this point, Landry? Or do you think it's just a case of we'll, we'll, we'll badger on you know for the rest of the season? And uh, and and it'll be gone at the end of this year because, uh, or it's just Tim Kelly just not getting the right use out of him. And it, although his legs are short, I think he's not the player he was. So twenty six, he had a big year. I, I think I think symbolically moving on from David Johnson wouldn't be the worst thing because you are one in six. It's not like you're just trying to put the best guy out there. I think David Johnson is a reminder of the King Bill era with the worst, one of the worst trades in, in league history and definitely in franchise history. So I think symbolically just getting rid of David Johnson, I, I think whether you're just bringing in someone off the streets, whether you're trying to see which, uh, if you could maximize Duke and maybe a restructured Duke contract to where he can be, you know, part of a, a committee next year. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Now I understand if this team were, Let's say this is a 500 team right now. Uh, that's not even possible. Let's say they're three and four, and you know you, you're you're still fighting for a playoff spot, and you want David Johnson here. I could get that, but I think just from a from a symbolic standpoint, I wouldn't be opposed to just moving on from David Johnson because he's definitely not going to be a part of things next year. Like I think it's safe to say. So why not move on? Why not kick the tires on someone? Why not see? What's going on and why not just eliminate the stench of, you know, one of the worst trades that we've ever seen? Why not? Why not just get rid of that and just move past it and we can all be done with that? Yeah, because I think everybody needs a clean slate because, you know, I watched the All-22 back, uh, you know, this morning. I think that, you know, often watching it, you see it in far more detail. It changes your opinion of what, you know, what when you watch the broadcast at the time. But it didn't, you know, it didn't really do that for me this week at all. And I think it's a... It's it, it. There was an element, I think, of the creeping in the players that they know the season is done, and some of the effort is lacking. I think at times, and it's not often you've said that about a Texans team, but it feels like the players know it's done, and it's almost in a holding pattern now until after the trade deadline, if they're going to be here or not. You know, if if they're part of this this franchise's future, because without the GM and out the new coach, it's you know it's it's uh, you know six six eight months of uncertainty for the, all these guys in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, you saw there was a couple third down plays where Eric Murray, I don't know what he was exactly doing on Adams, but there was one where they just threw a screen to him and he didn't really want to get off. He didn't seem like he was in too much of a hurry to get off the block from Valdez Scantling. Uh, and there was just there's a couple plays like that. I think my co-host John Lopez calls it business decisions. Uh, the business decisions uh, could be coming. And I mean, that's just I guess it's just natural instinct. And I think these guys got to think about you know, their futures as well. And this team, you know, right now, this, this is not a, this is not a team that's going to be in the playoffs. So 
you know, guys are our guys are already probably thinking about, you know, next year and everything. And, you know, do you want to sell out to, you know, risk maybe jeopardy? jeopardizing things moving forward uh probably not so we will start to see that we'll see you know guys letting off i wonder about the coaches too the guys that know that they aren't going to be here next year which i think is pretty much everyone on the staff um you know how 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 good of uh how much effort are they putting into these game plans to where you know players like deshaun watson and you know some of these young guys are getting you know prepared for their futures as well. I, I think there's going to be a lot of coasting. I think that's just one of the challenges that interim coaches and bad football teams really have to, uh, they, they have to overcome and they have to figure out. Yeah. And you, I mean, you saw that even with like some of the Sean's decision-making in the red zone, you know, you had that three and out, then the block punt and they, and they, you know, they put them in a really short field and he missed a number of open receivers. He, he threw one behind Randall Cobb, which was an easy touchdown. And it almost felt like this sort of, you know, predominantly you know three quarters of the third quarter and fourth were just were just dead time and you know they're just out there going through the motions I think and so you think you want to make changes you want to freshen it up after the bye is there any changes that you think they can do that would give them a positive you know beyond the David Johnson because I think anybody at running back would be great and I think you've got to bring Max Sharpen back in and let him play and let him develop I don't care if he's lost strength in the offseason being a victim of COVID you know he's not been good so is there you know is there any other change you think they can make from you know other practice squads or you know anything to, to shore up a secondary and uh and, and maybe, maybe be a bit more effective on offense well, I think we got to see Grenard. I think we got to see Blacklock. I want to see QT. I'm I'm not giving up on QT. I, I I feel like I feel like QT was a victim of being in O'Brien's doghouse. I mean, he's had two 12 catch games in his career. Uh, I actually thought he looked good when he was out there before he fumbled this year. I mean, Randall Cobb went catchless. Kiki came in. Uh, it's it's a damn shame that Kiki can fumble twice, and you you almost think like he's just some irresponsible player. But DeAndre Carter actually fumbles more than him. And he stays on the field. I, I think we need to see more Kiki QT. Uh, maybe we see some Isaiah Coulter. I don't know if Kahali Waring's even capable of playing, uh, but if he is, I would like to just at least get a get a little look uh, at what he's got going on. I want to see some of these young kids. I want to see Grenard. I want to see Blacklock. Uh, I want to see these guys get some chances. That's that's really what I want to see. And you know, I think you got to work. You got to work the. Uh, the practice squads and you got to work these young guys and try to get guys in and see if you can maybe build some depth heading into next year. Cause there's a lot of guys on this roster that just aren't going to be here. Uh, so that's what I want to see. I just want to see some of these guys get opportunities uh, instead of just sitting on the sidelines and watching a team go one and six. Yeah, because you think particularly at running back, you know, it's so easy to find a guy, you know, you look at Robinson in the backfield for the Jags, a guy undrafted in Northern Illinois. It's easy to find talent at running back. You just need to, a home where guys can maybe get a bit of run blocking um, and, 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 you know, and find the holes because David Johnson definitely isn't doing that right now. So, and you think anybody at corner and anybody at safety who's on a practice squad, you know, you've got guys like Jonathan Owens sitting there, you know, guys that have never really had a chance. You know, you think even guy like David, David Bellamy, who's been on the practice squad for what, three years now, this is probably his last eligible year. Surely he can come in, you know, along with Greenard, do, you know, at least a better job than, you know, somebody like Brennan Scarlett's doing it, where they're just, they're just non-factors. And you think, you know, Scarlett's snaps were down this week, but you know, you could see them pointing him out at the line of scrimmage. If he was in, they were running at his side because he can't set the edge. So it feels like, you know, you've got, you're playing with house money at the minute. So 
there's no point in any of these coaches worrying about risk. It's just giving guys an opportunity to maybe stay in the league because I don't think any of the coaches will be here. Maybe Anthony Weaver gets kept on, but I don't think there'll be many holdovers um, into the new regime because there really is, you know, a new head coach I want to bring in there, guys. For sure, hundred percent. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I could see a complete staff overhaul. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be something to follow. It's going to, there's going to be a lot of steps in it, but it's, you know, it is what it is. At least, you know, that there will be a change and there'll be a new era. So there is that it could be a lot worse as I always like to say. Have you got any, have you got any, uh, your personal favorites for the GM and the head coach, Landry? Uh, Sala's my guy as the head coach. I want, I want Robert Sala to be okay. the head coach. The 49ers, uh, yeah. I think, uh, I think a defensive mind like that, very motivated, uh, 10 years younger than Bienemy. Um, he's worked with Pete Carroll. He's worked with Kyle Shanahan. Hell, he's worked in Houston. Uh, and I also think that he would bring with him, whether it's the run game coordinator or the pass game coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. So you would have, uh, I think it's uh, LaFleur and McDaniel uh, are their names. You would have, you know, those guys uh, as, you know, your, your guys with the offense. So you would have a branch off of that Shanahan tree and, uh, and I don't know if he'd bring D'Amico Ryans with him or whatever. It'd be nice to have him back. But yeah. <laughs> I think Sala, Sala is my guy. Uh, and that's really that's really the guy that I would like to see them bring in. That's that's 100% my guy. As far as the GM goes, uh, I don't know um, what they're thinking uh, in that area. Maybe you want to dip into the Colts front office. Um, I, that, that's, that's really not my... Uh, a level of expertise there, but I would, I would, I, Robert Sala is definitely my guy as head coach. Yeah, I think, I think there, there's some, for me, there's something about Eric Bieniemy that he's been passed over so many times that it would be fitting that he got the job here. But I, I think the fact that he has been, I think you're right, is, 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 I think a defensive coach might be the right way for this team to go because it, it allows you to, you know, to, to, that's the biggest rebuilding job. You just need a good mind to come in the building um, and be the offensive coordinator. And you think of that, you know, well, it's probably the Kubiak tree, and it was, you know, it was Shanahan Senior that, you know, that the passed it on to him. But that system, you know, outside zone running, it leaves loads of space on the perimeter for Watson to scramble into play action heavy. You think, you know, deep balls, tight end, you know, it's crossing the formation. You think it's lots of easy throws, and you see, you know, Shanahan take a guy like Garoppolo to the Super Bowl, you know, and you think that would be a perfect fit for for what's in that type of scheme, you know, versus this, you know, the current dross that was thrown down all of our necks and, and, and we were had, you know, we had a situation where O'Brien made people fit his scheme, not, you know, not the other way around. Exactly. That's I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. I'm, I'm not really on being me as much as a lot of people. And I don't, you know, it's nothing against him. I know he's going to get an opportunity. I just don't, I have reservations about it. I mean, I, I think, I don't think that he's really the one that's behind that offense. I mean, I think it's Andy Reid. I think it's Pat Mahomes. I think they have Travis Kelsey. I think they have a lot of talent there. Uh, and I like the enemy. Uh, I like I like the motivational part of it, but I just have my reservations uh, that, you know, the enemy is really the reason. I, I think if I listed the reasons why the Chiefs offense is good, I, I don't know the enemy maybe makes it to, to fifth on the list, sixth. I don't know. I mean, we didn't even know if he was calling plays last year. And I still I still have my doubts that he's calling all these plays. So that's just not really. I mean, I, I think Deshaun likes him. I know his QB coach likes him. But I just, the enemy wouldn't be my guy. And I think a lot of people who are saying that they want the enemy, I don't think that 
they would if if it were a Bill Belichick assistant, I think they would have their reservations as to whether like how how much of a genius that guy is calling the New England defense, you know. So I just don't I don't really look at enemy as one of my top one of my top candidates. I would support him fully, but he's just not he's not on my list. Yeah, you think a guy like Greg Roman might, you know, is he due a chance? Um, but I, I have the I have the feeling that you know it's going to be somebody you know that they're going to go to the college game and pick pick a head coach from there. And uh, I know there's been rumours before that Cal's enamoured with with Harbaugh at Michigan, which would would not be a good hire, I don't think, because I think he's not done a great job there. I think people, are, you know, if you if you see any of the Michigan media, it's gone a bit stale there. But uh, and I think Thomas Dimitrov as well could be one that I think might be worth a look at because he's an ex. Patriot guy, but he did it. You know, he stayed in the league a long time, and he's still, you know, a reasonably young guy, and you know, built a pretty good roster that got them to the Super Bowl. But I think the 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 head coaching role will be defined by whoever they bring in as the GM, and it looks like they're going to do the GM first, hopefully, which is something that probably loomed over the O'Brien era that they were never brand new hires from day one. I think that's so important to get those two positions in lockstep. For sure, I'm with you. You got to go GM before coach. You don't you don't hire a coach and then say, "Hey, GM, come in here. I want you to work with a coach, and I want you to work with this Easterby guy." So I'm I'm with you in the in the order of that. Yeah, and they've got to learn from their mistakes, right? And I think they just hopefully, you know, Cal doesn't let us all down and and put us through more years of underachievement with Watson through this. But we've still got some games to play, even though it doesn't feel like. And as you said, they're a bit academical in some senses. So we've got. The Jags, the Browns, the Patriots, two running teams, and then the the Turkey Turkey Day Bowl against Detroit. You know, on, on nas- our, our only other national TV appearance, which was probably a good spot by the broadcasters and not putting us on national TV apart from Week One. But of those next four games, do you think they can you know bring the season alive and creep back to 500? Is that even a remote possibility? I mean, creeping to 500 is a hell of a hell of a process. But I mean, I think if you look at these teams, the Texans can compete with them. I mean, I I do think that. I think the Texans can compete with them. So, you know, you got to start with Jacksonville. I'm not sure Jacksonville even wants to win. Uh, so you have that going for you. Uh, and then I, you know, they're going to have a puncher's chance in every game. I don't think there's going to be like a two possession. They're not going to be like a two possession underdog anytime soon. So they do have a chance. It'll be interesting. Uh, there is the extra playoff spot. Uh, I think they needed to steal one against Tennessee or Green Bay to even be able to have that discussion. But I think, uh, you know, the tough part of the schedule, if you want to be positive, is behind them. And, you know, they're going to any given Sunday, as they say, especially when you got Forrest QB. Yeah, that's right. I think that's the worst bit about it, because I don't think this team is is it has been bad and the defense was always going to be bad. But if the offense could have just been five, ten percent better in the early stages of the season, kept them in games, then yeah, you said as you said, they might have a, a chance at least to make the second half of the season interesting post the bye. But uh, Landry, thanks very much for your time. Um, having you on again this season, much appreciated. And uh, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, at Landry Larker on Twitter, at Landry Larker on Instagram, uh, radio.com app, sports radio, 610, 10 to 2, Monday through Friday, in the loop, man. I always appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Landry. Appreciate the time. All right, thank you. Thank you.